lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Father, we come before you tonight, and we pray that you give us wisdom. We want to know you. We want to know you better, Lord. We want to know your heart. We want to understand what worship is. We know that worship is, that our worship to you is important. It's important to you. And so we want to have a better understanding so that we'll be able to aim and hit the mark for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think this is going to be my first time I share with a PowerPoint, so we'll see how it goes. Amen. So tonight we're going to jump right into it, and we're going to talk about worship. We're going to continue on what we were sharing last week. Last week, Pastor shared on um, world-changing worship. So tonight, the, mess- the title of the message is, What is Worship? I can't read that, but that's okay. Can you guys read this? Yeah, that's good, right? All right. What is worship? John 4, 23 and 24. An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Why is Worship so important. The Bible says that this is what God is seeking. God is seeking true worshipers. So it's not only important that we go through the actions of worshiping, but it's important that we are, we, this implies that you can be a true worshiper or you could be a false worshiper. Because he says he seeks true worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. So It's important that we understand what true worship is. True worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And it's, this is what the Lord is seeking. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, let's start here. And if, if you don't know, if you don't want to know what God's will is for your life, you're probably wasting your time. You're probably wasting your time in your own life, and you're certainly wasting your time coming to this church because our desire is to do God's will. Our desire is to know his will, what does God want, and then let's, and let's do it. Like we want to please God. And so this is what the Father is seeking, and so this is what we should be seeking to do. So true worshipers versus false worshipers. Worship is a really... It's a very abstract term. When you come to church, we hear the word worship, and it's kind of hard to put your, 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 wrap your mind around it. You can't touch worship. What does worship mean? So let's go with an interactive session. Raise your hand if you want to give your idea of what worship is. And if you don't, I'll pick on you. But if anyone's willing to give it a shot, some people are more shy than others. Some of you are thinking about 
whether you want to do it. Come on, I need some volunteers. Somebody take a shot at what worship is. No? Giving praise. praise. That's a good one. Devoting your life. So giving praise, we, we have giving praise, we have devoting your life. What's that? Total surrender. Okay, so those are some good definitions. But we agree, right, that worship is not an worship's not an everyday word outside of the church. It's not a word we were when we're born, there's nothing in society, even though we worship a lot of things, because people people worship a lot of things. They worship money, they worship themselves, they worship pleasure. They live for themselves, they live for pleasure, they live to make money, they live for a lot of different things. Some people worship their kids. So even though we end up worshiping many different things, we're not taught how to worship, which is kind of interesting because we're not taught how to worship and yet we worship. But when we talk about worship and we say God wants us to be true worshipers, that makes most people uncomfortable because we're not taught how to worship. We're not taught how to worship in school. We're not taught how to worship at home unless you were raised Christian. And so the only place that teaches you how to worship is church. And, of course, different religions teach, their, teach you something regarding worship. But the point is that worship is not a, a subject matter that we're familiar with. So... We saw in the previous verse that there are true worshipers and there are false worshipers. Matthew 15, 8, verses 8 and 9 says, These people draw near me. So we're saying, what is true worship? These people draw near me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. So what is worship? If you come to church a lot, you might think that worship is coming and singing songs. We actually have a part of the service that's called the worship service, or the, 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 we start out with worship, we say, and that is worship. But Jesus, in these verses, was, and in this chapter, was criticizing the Pharisees, and he was calling them hypocrites. Why? Because they were worshiping God on the outside, or they were acting like they were worshiping God. Maybe we, we could even say they were worshiping God on the outside, but they weren't true worshipers. So what is a true worshiper? A true worshiper worships with their lips and with their heart. A true worshiper worships from their innermost being. It's part, it it comes from within them. And Jesus criticized the Pharisees. So Jesus looked at the religious people. The Pharisees were the people that were in church. They were the people that read God's word. They were the people that went to church. Some people have something... Some people don't come to church because they have something, again, because they say that church is full of hypocrites. And I don't want to go to church because that church is full of hypocrites. They, they act one way in church, and then they act another way out, outside of church. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't like hypocrites either. And he wouldn't just say it behind their back. He would tell them to their face. You guys worship me with you. Hypocrites. You worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So God wants, in worship... God wants you to worship him with what you say, but God wants you to worship him from within, from from the innermost being. The innermost being is who you are when no one's around. Your innermost being is the 
the, the, is who you are when, you know when you're talking to yourself? You know when you ask yourself, why me? Or you ask yourself, what's going on? Or you say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you're, you're, you have feelings that are in the, in, in the innermost side of you that you try to share with someone and it's really hard. It may be you feel that sometimes it's impossible for somebody else to really. Have you ever said, nobody knows, nobody really knows what I'm going through. And that, that is a, a, a feeling, that is a, an expression of your innermost being. And from, from your innermost being, from who you are, who you've been since you were a child, God put your spirit inside of you. And he knew you from before your mother's womb. And that person that God has been calling, that person that God's been watching over and taking care of, the person that God has tugged on his heart ever since you were born, even before you were a Christian, that's your spirit. And the Bible says we need to worship from our innermost being. So it's not about being religious. It's not about acting like a Christian or acting religious. Or t it's not talking the talk. It's walking the walk. And it's not just what you do. It's who you are. So God is seeking true worshipers. And Sometimes we make church complicated. Sometimes we make God complicated. But God wants, God primarily wants you to love him. God, and then we're going to see that. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. Worship. So we're called to be worshipers. What is worship? The So here's what I did. Here's a Bible study from Webster's Dictionary. Okay, we took a couple of verses from the Bible, and we're just going to try to understand. Since we've never been taught what worship is, they don't, teach it in, they don't teach it in kindergarten. They don't teach it in college. Since we've never been taught, we're just going to go through step by step what worship is. So... The Bible says God is seeking worshipers. Worship is the act of showing respect and love for God, especially by praying with other people who believe in the same God. The act of, and then the act of worshiping. So the act, worship is number one, the act of showing respect. How am I going to worship God? Well, here, one of the things it says is, especially by praying. So one of the best ways, it's not the only way, but one of the best ways to worship is to pray. Now, prayer is a conversation with God. God, you can do it on your knees. Sometimes I do it on my knees. Lord, I'm just here to worship you. You're worthy, oh God. You're good. I need you. I don't know. I don't have. I don't know what to do in this situation. Show me. I need your strength. Lord, I know what to do. You've shown me, but every time I try, I just, I mess up and I need your strength because I know you wouldn't ask me to do something. You wouldn't give me the strength to do. So I need your grace. I need, I need you to, 
to cover me every time I mess up. So, and you don't have to be on your knees. I'm teaching you this. Listen, I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know how to pray. I mean, I knew how to talk to God. It's not complicated, but I didn't realize it wasn't complicated. I didn't realize that it was simple, that it was just something that was supposed to flow from your heart. So I struggled for many years trying to figure out how am I supposed to worship, especially because you see some people that make it a big deal and they make it look complicated. And you go to different churches and every church has different ways of doing things. And some churches make, you know, they just like to make things complicated. So I remember trying to understand, Lord, how am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to pray on my knees? I would get tired of being on my knees. My mind would wander. Lord, what am I supposed to do? My mind keeps wandering every two minutes. I say one sentence and I'm thinking about something else. So learning to pray is important. And you know one of my favorite ways to pray? I pray on my knees sometimes. It helps. But one of my favorite ways, and everybody's different, I go for a walk. I spend so much, and this is just a practical matter, I, I spend so much time sitting down at my job that I get antsy when I, if I have to, sometimes I fall asleep if I kneel, if I kneel down. So I just go for a walk. I just go for a walk and I talk with God. Lord, and, and, and whatever God's been putting in my heart, I ask him, show me, that we, the first verse we read, God gives wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, God gives wisdom to those who ask, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't understand. Give me wisdom. Lord, I think I know what you want me to do, but I don't know how to do it. I don't have the strength. Or I keep trying and I keep messing up. Sometimes I say, Lord, show me where I keep messing up because every day I know what you want me to do and I start out the day saying I want to do your will and somewhere in the middle of the day, We get disconnected, and I have that conversation with God. So first off, one of the best ways to develop, when God says he wants you to worship, worship entails prayer. It's not the only thing that it entails, but worship entails prayer. And you, remember, God is looking for people who worship him. God is looking to you. I love you. I want to take care of you. I want to take you to still waters. I want to make you lie down in green pastures. I want you to worship me. I want your life to be a life of peace and a life of joy. A quiet, still life, the Bible says. So God is inviting you to that. And we were talking about this in the men's meeting. God calls us to a life of peace. And a lot of times we don't want it because we've been sold another life. We've been sold a sexy life. We've been sold an exciting life. If I do this and if I have that and if I go there and if I become this. And we, get, we spend our entire life in a rat race chasing the donkey, chasing the carrot. And we never get there. And a lot of times... The people that get there, they make it to the top, and then they take their life. Because they spent their whole life depriving themselves of peace and joy and far from God. And when they get and obtain what they've been chasing, 
they find out it was a lie. They found out it was, it was empty, an empty promise. And they don't know where to go next. And they take their lives. It's crazy. Some of the most successful people end up taking their life for that reason. So God has called us to a different life. But it's our decision. And we have to respond. We have to say, Lord, I want, I heard you and I want to be with you. Teach me. I don't even know what this means, God. You want a quiet life? I haven't lived a quiet day since I was born. Some of us were raised in some really ruckus families, right? Even the good times in my house when I was, even the good times were crazy. The good times were crazy. The bad times were crazy. The common denominator is craziness. And I know some of you have lived the same way. And God is calling us to a life of peace, of righteousness, and of joy in him. But it's not the life that we have to leave behind, the life that, we're current, that, that we have lived up until now. So God is calling, is calling us. Um, and when we need to respond in prayer. God speaks to us. We need to speak back to him. Lord, here's my response. I heard the message. I don't know what it means, but I want it. Lord, I don't know if I want it. Show me more. You gotta, God will speak to you. You need to speak to God. That is, so, so there's an element of worship that is prayer, which is speaking to God from your innermost being. Um, the other aspect is, it says here, the act of showing respect. Respect, worship, the act of showing respect, which is a feeling of admiration, of admiring someone or something that's good, valuable, and important. What do you do when you worship God? God, you're so good. Lord, you're greater than anything else in my life. I don't need anything but you. You're good, God. I know you're good. I don't know anything else about you. I don't know a lot, Lord, but I know you've been good to me. You've had patience with me. You've shown up every time I've needed you. You've never left me. You're a good God. You're a powerful God. You've done things in my life that only you could have done. No man could have saved me from that situation. No one was listening to my prayers except you. You're a powerful God. Lord, you know all things. You, you, you show it's a, a feeling of admiration. Have you ever admired anyone? Have you ever admired someone and you almost get a sense of awe about whatever you admire them for? You might admire. I remember sometimes, you know, I used to, I wasn't really that into basketball, right? My friends were into it a lot more than I was. But every once in a while, you know, I would put on TV and I would see Michael Jordan. And some of the things that guy did, you were like, what? And you were like, you know, back then you didn't have TiVo, so you had to wait till they put it till you, either on VCR or you had to watch it on a replay. And you would see the guy come, run, come this way, jump in the air. Somebody seven feet tall would get in his face 
jump up with him, and on his way down, he would pull his legs up and throw the ball like this and still make it in and win the game. And you would sit there and go, wow, amazing, in admiration. So we've all admired people before. Today, you might look and you might admire LeBron James. You might admire, you know, if you're thinking about basketball. There's plenty of people to admire, right? So we know what admiration is. And especially in a lot of, we become cynical when we get older, right? But we probably remember admiring someone when we were small. Maybe you, maybe you had the blessing of admiring your father, maybe. Maybe you had the blessing of admiring your grandfather, But we all know what admiration is. And part of worship is admiration. Lord, you're amazing. There's none like you. You're greater than I could imagine. You're greater than I could ever hope to understand. So, and, and part of admiring, you need to know somebody to admire them. You need to know about their attributes. You need to know something about them in order to admire them. So part of worship is admiration, and part of admiration requires getting to know God. And I'll tell you what, if you draw near to God, you'll have no shortage of reasons to it, to, for admiration. But God is worth, is word, worth worshiping. He's worth respect, as high, as, as valuable, as greater. He's above all things, Above anything you could imagine. And that's the God that we worship. And when we say worship, that's the God we admire. That's the God we praise. That's the God we thank. Thank you, Lord. And this is a real God. If you have any doubts and you think that we're talking about a fairy tale God or a God that just exists in concept, I challenge you to pray to him. Because the Bible says, ask and you will receive. And we're here, believe me, I'm not 20 years late here, 20 years after somebody preached to me. I'm not here 20 years later because of some story that somebody told me. I'm not here because of a good preaching that some pastor gave. I'm here because when I asked God, God responded. I asked and I received. I sought, Lord, I don't know, where are you? What am I supposed to do? I need you to come, I need you to... To show up, Lord, where are you? I, I asked and I received. I sought. I, you seek and you will find. I knocked and I've seen the door be open. And that's the God that I, that's why I serve God. So if you, if I'm talking to you about worshiping this abstract concept that you are, that's unfamiliar to you, cry out to God and say, tonight in your car, tonight in your car, tonight on your bed, Say, God, I want to know you. Come into my life. I want to know you. If this is real, God, I want to know you like he's like that, the, the way that that, that that brother was talking about. I'm not going to come to church if this is just some abstract concept. But if you're real, like they say you're real, then I want to know you. You ask God, you challenge God, and God will respond. Amen. So respect is a feeling of admiration for someone or something that's good, valuable, important. And then we go back. So here's what I did. You know how the dictionary has several 
um, definitions for something. You get one word and has a couple different definitions. So we just keep breaking it down. We Worship was prayer. Worship was showing respect. Let's see what the next one is. Oh, so we have here the act of showing respect and love for God. What is love? Uh, Webster says love, because, you know, love is a really, is another abstract term. That one we hear about a lot more. We talk about a lot more. But when they tell you to define it, everybody flunks. Everyone gets it wrong. And even then, even when you try to define it, it depends on what context you're talking about. As a matter of fact, the Bible had several different different definitions for the same word that we call love. We say, I love the dolphins. I love my wife. I love my kid. I love chocolate. I love it when it's sunny outside. So does, what does love mean? And so if the Bible says that we should love God with all our heart, what is love? What, is God, what does it mean, love? So I decided to grab the definition of love, even though it's a very common term. A feeling of strong. This is key. Love is not indifferent. Love is not apathetic. Love is strong affection. Strong, passionate affection. Love the Lord. The Bible says, here's the greatest. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord. It didn't stop there. Love the Lord with all your heart. How much are we called to love God? Man, those people at church, they're fanatics. No, the Bible says, well, maybe, but the Bible says, love God with all your heart. And if that's what a fanatic is, then maybe we're guilty. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That is the greatest commandment. So God calls us to love him with everything that we are. How much, to what degree, with everything you've got. The Bible says. So what is love? Strong affection. Strong affect, a feeling of strong and constant affection for a person. Love is a strong, so here I, I, I put the same definition again for this slide. A feeling of strong or constant affection for a person. And then Matthew 22, verses 34 through 38. But when Jesus heard, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the, the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer no less, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. When they asked Jesus to give the greatest commandment, he gave two. But then he said, all the other laws, the prophets and the, and the, and the law are all summed up. You could take the entire Bible and reduce it to loving God with everything that you have and loving your neighbor the way you love yourself. Those very, two very simple but very profound commandments. You want to know God's will for your life? You, you have, we don't have the excuse that we don't understand because God knows us and so he makes it really simple. Love me with all you got. And love your neighbor 
as you'd love yourself. So we said love was a strong feeling of affection. What's affection? A feeling of liking or caring. Showing concern for someone or something. You know, what you know one of the things about worship is that you tell God, God, I care about what you care about. What's on your heart, God? I don't want, I'm, I'm not just going to tell you what's on my heart, Lord, I need help. Lord, I'm confused. Lord, um, I need wisdom. I need this. I need that. It's God, what's on your, did that was on, that's what's on my heart, okay? What's on your heart? What's important to you? What do you care about? I'm concerned about what you're concerned about. What's important to you? The guy over there that just got to church that's having problems? The girl that does, that, the, the, the infant, uh, the widow or the orphan that doesn't have a father? Lord, what's on your heart? Part of worship is showing concern or care for the person you love. Or, or another way of saying it is worship is love for God, which is a feeling of strong affection, and affection is showing concern. Lord, Tell me what's important to you. Show me. Lord, you know what? I know you care about that person. Take away the, take away the indifference in my heart because I don't, it really doesn't, I'm not really that concerned about them. I, I don't wake up concerned about them and I don't go to sleep. Take away that indifference from me because I know that he's important to you. Lord, give me a heart like your heart. Teach me how to care and love the way you care and love. So, so we're called to love God with all, all our heart. And love is defined by affection. And affection is defined by caring or being concerned about your brother. Or the person, someone or something. Now, here's another one. Worship. Another definition of worship. Reverence offered to a divine being of supernatural power. But here's another thing about worship. And we already said it, so I won't go too much into this one. But where you just sit there and you admire God is a divine God. He's not a man that you're sitting there talking to. He's not a woman. He is a divine, supernatural being. And there's something in you that will that will be in awe, that will be awestruck as you consider and you address, you come before an almighty God. When you come before God and you recognize your place before him, Lord, you're on your throne. I'm in my room. I'm in this closet. I'm on the world. You're on your throne. I can't believe that I'm talking to you. And I can't believe that you would listen to me. But thank you. Thank you that you sent someone to tell me that you want to listen to me. So here I am. Lord, you created all the galaxies. You created the universe. You created everything in the universe. You know, you can't imagine. The more, the more you study the universe, the more you study anything, the more in awe you are. In you are about God. 
as the physicists try to figure out what's the end of the universe and they try to understand how the, the galaxies are held together and how gravity, they, they make incredible breakthroughs. And every time they find the law that says, all right, we're about to tie everything together. We figured it all out. They find out, wait a minute. And they open up a whole other bag, uh, like a Pandora's box of mysteries. And it's like hitting the reset button and saying, wait a minute. Before, I needed 2 plus 2 equals 4 to understand the universe. Now that I'm smart and I know 2 plus 2 equals 4, now I need calculus to answer the questions this brought about. How does the world, the universe work this way? And when they figure that out, they go to the next level. The latest, the latest, this is a kick. My, my wife gets a kick out of this. This is, this is what I do on my, uh, when my wife is watching TV, I take out, I take out the iPad and I, I look for science stuff <laughs> or politics or I'm just weird like that. <laughs> after Einstein, after all the, last, all the geniuses that have come in the last century, they started doing all this math and all this science thinking that they were going to answer the final questions, that the, the greatest questions they had in physics. They thought with the theory of relativity, now they don't know. They think that 86% of the universe is made up of something that can't be seen, can't be measured. They don't know if it's there. They just know that there's a big question mark that they don't understand. They're talking about dark matter. Dark matter is basically, it's matter that must be there because our equations don't work. And whatever matters there that we can't see, we can't measure, we, we, we can't even, we, we don't even have a way to test if this thing exists. There's got to be, there's something out there. Oh, and by the way, it's not enough to have dark matter. We also need dark energy, which is, guess what? The energy side of, and so E equals MC squared, you have energy and you have matter. Both sides, they've got these two big question marks about what the universe is. And, you know, Google, if, if you really want to, like, see the state of affairs of science, read dark matter, dark energy, and string theory. Okay? And then... Um, Hopefully, you won't resort to drugs after that. <laughs> but it seems like that's what they had to do to get there. So I like reading it, but it's some crazy stuff. And it, what, at, at the end of the day, you realize the smartest minds in the world, after an entire history of man studying, 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 trying to understand the universe, there's more and more and more mysteries, more unknowns, more matter or, or more it to existence than they can see, than they can even fathom. The Bible says it's unsearchable. Not only they don't know where it is, you can't even look for it. That's like Twilight Zone, right? It's like it went to another dimension. Not only it's lost, but you can't look for it. So, or you can look for it, but it's impossible to find. So that's the universe that God created. And you, you just stand in. Oh, here's the amazing thing. Because you could, you know. You, no, now we're, we're going back to a high level, right? So here's the amazing thing. This is where it blows everybody away. It all works. Because there's chaos everywhere. And you can explain chaos as chaos. But you, the amazing thing is, it all works. The Bible says, everything is held together by his word. 
There's no other explanation. Every time they try to, oh, I figured it out. The grand, Verghese is over there laughing because he knows some of what I'm talking about. When they, when they say, oh, I figured it out. We know how we're going to add and subtract and understand this and define this. They say, let's put another phenomena, another mystery. But it all works. It all fits together. And it's mysteriously and wonderfully made. I could give you another example, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> Getting on a tangent here. All right, a feeling of love, affection, concern. Back to worship, right? So, worship is extravagant admiration. Is that where we are at? Oh, did we skip reverence? We'll probably get there. Oh, there we go. Okay. So... Reverence offered to a divine being. Okay, so we talked about the divineness of God, the, the, God's divine nature. Now we're talking about what reverence is. So what is reverence? Reverence is honor or respect that is felt or, or shown to someone. We've already defined respect, so we won't go back there. It says honor or respect. And then it says, def and then it adds and it says deference. So deference is esteem and respect due to someone who is superior or to an elder. So where you come before God and you recognize he's superior. You recognize your place in the universe. You recognize your relationship with him. He is a superior being. And you defer to him. When you defer, that means I have an opinion, but I want let's go with what you have to say. I have an idea, I have plans, but I defer to you. When you refer somebody, you send them with someone else. When you defer to someone, you say, hey, what do you think? I, I've got my plans. If you don't have any plans, by the way, there's no deference. Because deferring means putting your plans aside, putting your thoughts aside in order to honor or in order, in order to honor the person that's received, that, that you're deferring to. So we all have plans. But worship is giving deference to God. God, what do you want? God, I want to do your will. I have a will. I have plans. I have dreams. What do you want? And here's, here's how this works, okay? It doesn't work at the 50,000-foot level. It's not abstract. It's day to day. So in this situation, today, the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We got enough problems, just take getting through the day. Don't worry about tomorrow. God gives you enough grace. Listen to this. God gives you enough grace and enough provision. You have everything you need to get through today. And... There is enough trouble. Jesus, this is Jesus. Okay, Jesus said, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The, the problems I got today are enough to worry about for today. Tomorrow, if and when I wake up, we'll deal with tomorrow. And so, um, deference is to say, God, 
Not, again, not at the 50,000 foot level. In this situation, today, in this conversation, what is your will? I want to answer back. But I know that you're teaching me to let my gentleness be known to all men. I want to give him a piece of my mind. But I know that your word says to turn the other cheek. I want to stir up some conflict. But I know that your word says, blessed are the peacemakers. For, theirs is, for they shall be called sons of God. So it's not, when we talk about deferring to God, it, it is not complicated. And it's not far away. It's with my wife. Lord. How would you have me deal with this? I know what I want to say, but what do you want me to say? Lord, you said, speak to one another. Speak the truth in love. Okay, wait, I wasn't about to, I was about to speak the truth, but it wasn't in love. How do I speak the truth in love? Lord, this is what I, I defer to you. And in, in, in your situation with your wife, with your husband, with your 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 um, your co-workers, your other family members, right? We have no lack of opportunities to defer to God. A lot of times we think this thing about doing God's will is going to Africa. We think doing God's will is going to China or going to Peru. But doing God's will is where you're at with the people that are around you, Right now, today, how should I respond, God? And, and if you don't do it today, you're not going to do it tomorrow. And if you don't do it in the little things, you're never going to do it in the big things. God wants your heart. So that's deference. Worship. Extravagant respect. Or admiration, extravagant respect, or devotion to an object of esteem. And then, so what is admiration? Delighted approbation, delighted approval. Lord, I delight in you. Lord, thank you. You are good. I'm not looking at my situation. I'm looking at how good you are. I'm not looking at my trouble. I'm looking at the fact that you showed up in my life. And you want to walk with me. And I'm supposed to come to you. And you're in my life now. You weren't in my life yesterday. And I had troubles yesterday. And I have troubles today. But today, you're with me. And I, I, I delight in you. And I admire you. I, it's a, sorry, delight approbation. I, I praise you. Praise is is delighted approval. Was it delighted? Yeah. Delighted or astonished. Amazing approval. The Bible says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, as if exceedingly wasn't enough. The Bible says he does above what we ask for and pray. So we pray for good things, right? Nobody prays for bad things. We pray for good things. The Bible says God does above what we ask and pray. But... He, doesn't, he says he does abundantly above what we ask and pray. So we're asking God, and God does more than we ask for. But he doesn't do, he does abundantly more than we ask for. As a matter of fact, 
He has a third adjective. I think it's three. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask for and pray. That is the God that we serve. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night, by the way. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night. Things the Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart of man doesn't even imagine what God's going to do. I'm going to give you a 30-second testimony, for those of you who don't know, of my, uh, my, father, my, mother, my, my wife and, and, and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law's life. Seven year, five years divorced. Dad kicked the mom out of the house, would call the employer and say, hey, you got to fire her. She's a crazy woman. Would, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know. There's different versions of the story, but that the, the, his, the lover tried to poison the mom. Crazy stuff, like for a movie, okay? Five years like that. The girl, my wife, having a seven years old, having a um, basically not living like an orphan, but, but almost um, living, her mom having to work all day, to, couldn't make ends meet. It was a mess, okay? It was a nightmare. You know what God did? God showed up. Tell me if this is not exceedingly, abundantly above. God showed up. After, five, after everything I just told you and five years of divorce and living in separate countries, God showed up and in a matter of months, marriage was restored. Oh, she was about to get, they were both about to get remarried. When God shows up, marriage was restored. Father-daughter relationship was restored. Church was planted in Mexico, and the church over there is about the same size as the church here. They have, they're building a school, they're building, a, they have a basketball courts and a, and a soccer court, and amazing things are happening, exceedingly abundantly above what we could pray. I guarantee you she was praying, Lord, I, I just want to get married again and have a nice Peaceful. I just want to be able, I guarantee you the mom was praying. I just want to, I want my daughter to live in peace. I just want, you know, I just want her not to have to worry about uh, food on the table and, 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 and um, shelter or roof over her head. I'm sure, because those are our prayers. We pray for good things. Lord, take care of us. Get us out of here. You know, let our life turn, have a turnaround. But it was exceeding. Not only they got married, not only there's abundant provision, not only did they get reconciled, but now they have a ministry where they go around the world teaching, teaching um, separated couples how to get restored. And a church is being planted where they're training now other leaders on how to preserve the family and how to restore broken families. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask and pray. And every one of us could be here all night, giving example after example. I just gave that one because it's the one that I have, that I can give you in the quickest, it's the most crisp example I could give you. So, astonished, amazing delight and admiration. I can't believe this, God. You do way above anything that we could imagine or that we could know. This is the God that we serve. And again, if this is abstract to you, Go to God and say, God, I want to, if that's real, I want to know you. And if it's not real, do me a favor and just get me the heck out of here.
take me out of this place. And I don't want anything to do with those people if you're not real. But if you're real, I want to know you. And we're here. Listen, 20 years. Eh, Raúl, ¿cuántos años de cristiano? 30 años. Pastor, lost track, lost count. Okay, anybody more than 32 years walking with the Lord? Okay, so that's a pretty good number. We wouldn't be wasting our time if God wasn't real. But I tell you this, don't settle for religion. Don't settle for Christianity. Okay, like when I say Christianity, don't settle for religion because that isn't worth it. Being, worshiping God with your lips and your heart far from God, that's a waste of, that's worse than a waste of time. Don't settle for that. I wouldn't be here five minutes if that's what we had to offer. But what we're trying to do is encourage you to believe that God will listen to your prayers. That God has a plan for you and just encourage you to go after that. And then you'll be up here trying to encourage others because of what God does in your life. Amen. I think we're finishing up. Can we cover that last one? Worship, extravagant respect. What are we doing here? Devotion. Extravagant respect or devotion or admir extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object. Devotion. The quality of being devoted. That's helpful. Right? I left that one in there. I edited some of these to make them, you know, quicker to go through. But you guys know how the, you know, the you know how you guys have gone to the dictionary before. So Devotion, the quality of being devoted. Thanks. <laughs> so, dedicated, which is a synonym for devoted, because by the way, if you go to devoted, it says the quality of showing devotion. So, but it shows as a synonym, it shows as a synonym for de devoted, it says dedicated, having strong support or loyalty. Oh, wait, I didn't give that to you guys. Strong support or loyalty used only for one particular purpose. Remember we said God wants you to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your soul? God wants all of you. And it's a, it's a progressive journey. So it's, it, many times it's a progressive journey, but know this. God wants all of you. And worship is part of being, part of worship, or one understanding of worship is devotion, which is dedicated for one use or purpose. Lord, now that I know you, now that I know how good you are, and now that I know your thoughts and your plans for me, I'm yours. Nobody expects you to make that decision before you know God. Nobody expects you to make that decision before you know his plans for you. Before you get, you know his heart. But once you've seen his goodness, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, come to me and drink and buy, I don't remember if it was water or milk. I think it's water, I mean milk. Is it milk without price or, or, or wine without price? I don't remember the Bible verse. But it, it's saying, come to me. 
and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will make you lie in green pastures and sit beside still waters. So once you, once you know God, God is inviting you to this life. Respond in prayer. God is, I'm going to say it one more time. God is inviting you to, the li to a life that he has for you. You respond in prayer. And when I say respond, you have to start, you have to respond to him. Lord, here's my heart. And, and start a conversation. And, and he will guide you. You may not know what's next. Don't worry about it. He will guide you. You respond to God and say, God, I want you. I want to know you. And when you have responded and you know God and you know his goodness, then you seal worship by dedicating yourself to one particular purpose. The object of your devotion, the object of your dedication. Amen. Hopefully the Lord will seal this into your heart and the Holy Spirit will help you understand um, what worship is so that we can put it into our life. We're going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you because you give us wisdom. We thank you because you help us to understand. And Lord, I ask that you would seal this word in everyone's heart. Lord, anyone who has a question in their heart, that they would bring it to you. And I pray that you would answer them quickly. That it would stir up in them faith. And we pray that we would be a church that understands what worship is and that gives themselves over to be true worshipers. Lord, teach us and make us to be true worshipers that we might please you with our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Um, is the cafeteria going to be open? You're dismissed. We invite you to the cafeteria to share some time and maybe a coffee or some beverages, refreshments. God bless you.